Listening to Who Made Who, Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. I'm Aaron DeLoza. And uh, we're going to be doing another double shot today. Uh, we had some scheduling <laughs> issues last week, and Ben Knight. Did, did do some DVD Who for you. Yeah, Ben, <laughs> ben Knight was uh, was under the weather, still under the weather, uh, even with their far superior healthcare system in uh, in, in England. He is still uh, he is still recovering from. Uh, what I can gather is a, a much worse uh, uh, congestion issue than I am dealing with at the moment. Um, I don't know, but we wish Ben uh, the best of luck and a speedy recovery. I'm sure he'll uh, be back up to speed for for next week. Um, you know, uh, it it happens, man. We and it's no and it's no big deal. Uh, the the more the merrier when it comes to the Doctor Who discussion. I think so. True. Uh, we got two good episodes, man, to talk about here. Uh, yeah. And one one of them really interesting. I think the 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 more interesting of the two is uh is right off the bat, uh, series eight, episode four, entitled "Listen." So let's hop right into uh to to running through this episode. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a a, a plot point at all, but I just want to say that this the opening shot of this episode <laughs> might be one of my favorite shots. <laughs> and all of I just really loved it. It's so, it's so crazy. I, I, I'm shocked they haven't done anything like this before, because it just seems like one of those ethereal things like the Doctor Who would do. But it's great. It's the shot of uh, I want to say it's Earth, right? That they're panning yeah. up from, and there's the TARDIS, and the doors are open, and it pans up, and the Doctor is sitting like all. He's doing yoga. He's yeah, meditating. Yeah, it's like yoga <laughs> Zen style, sitting on top of uh, the TARDIS, which is amazing. And then. Uh, uh, he then uh, he then pleads with us immediately to heed the title of the episode, uh, which we see repeated kind of throughout. Um, it's kind of hinted at here at the beginning that uh, maybe it's been a little while since he's hung out with Clara. Maybe he spent a little bit too much time uh, on his own in between episodes. Uh, I mean, maybe he had to go out for more chalk. <laughs> perhaps, man, because uh, he's been he's been going crazy on that chalkboard, but he's a uh, He's developing a theory, is the doctor, um, and he's uh, he's thinking about all of these. Uh, there's there's examples of of perfection within evolution. There's there's perfect hunters and um, all of this stuff. But he's he's wondering to himself, why is there why is there no species out there that has perfected the art of of hiding? Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen people, by the way, argue that uh, like, what about the silence? Which I, I don't think count necessarily because if they were perfect at hiding, they would have never devised a way to figure out that the silence were around, uh, <laughs> which they did devise more than more than one way, uh, with like the hash marks and with the uh, uh, the implant chips or whatever, right? Oh, where right, would, yeah, yeah. Where they would record it. Um, so I wouldn't say that they were perfect. Um, so the doctor's theory here is uh, all those times where you're talking to yourself. What if you're not? What if there's what if there's something that's always there? Um, and, uh, this gets him to thinking, uh, we then jump to, uh, to Clara, who's, uh, about to hop on her first date with Danny Pink. Uh, things are not going so well. <laughs> um, it is kind of an awkward first date Man. and, uh, to say the least and, uh, things, yeah, things do not go so great. Uh, this is when she runs into the doctor and, um, the doctor expunges further upon, 
Well, first it's the uh, it's the man in the spacesuit who comes and gets her out of the restaurant. Right. No, no, no. That's that's actually no. That's later on. Oh, that, that's later on in the date. Right, right, right. Okay. Right. Yeah, man. This thing's weave. It was so timey wimey this episode. Indeed. Um. <laughs> the uh. And and not before the doctor uh makes fun of her for having three mirrors in her room. It oh. kind of becomes a joke that her face is so wide. She needs right. three mirrors. Um. Which is uh, yeah. I I love the uh that he's kind of a. He's kind of like a friendly dick to her. Like it's, it's he's busting balls. He's not being like right. a douchebag, but he's he's busting balls and it's I, I like it a lot. It's lot. almost like this doctor watched that MTV show, The Pickup Artist, whatever it was, with that right. guy with the big felt hat who's like, Oh, you gotta insult women to make them like you. Sure, yeah. It's like he went back to watch that show, he's like, Okay, now I get it. So now he's just flipping her shit, but she's kind of coming around on him a little bit. Right. And, but he but he is kind of also playing it like he doesn't realize he's busting balls. Like, right. uh, he's playing it like he's very really, aloof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he's expunging further on his theory and he's, he's been reading about dreams and he has come to the conclusion that everyone in the world, apparently who has ever existed has experienced the same dream at some point uh, during the course of their life, uh, which is of course ridiculous because I, I don't think that that's true at all. But Given the context we receive later on, we find out why he sort of thinks this. Um, and the the dream is that you wake up in the middle of the night and a hand reaches out from underneath your bed and grabs you. Um, but nothing is there. Nothing is underneath the bed. Um, and this is where he's starting to think that there may be something there uh, that you can't see, but it's always there. Uh, oh, he's just a dream that the hand belonged to Gary Busey. Of course. Uh, so I had a lot of terrifying nightmares that's, as a kid. <laughs> that's absolutely terrifying, actually. Um, so what he wants to do with Clara, he's going to experiment with Clara and take Clara back to uh, a point in her childhood where she experienced this dream. And uh, the TARDIS has, has... Has this been something they've used on the TARDIS in the past? Or is this kind of like a new thing they've... Uh, they brought out this... this Like like the, the Psychic Link stuff? Yeah, the Psychic Link no, hand gel. The, uh, I, I, I'm not sure uh, about the hand gel portion. Uh, that's the first time I've seen it. I know, like, you know, they've indicated the tart, you know, it, it's like a, a sentient, you know, creature. Right. So it has, like, these sort of psychic abilities to lock in on people. So, I mean, this, they've hinted around things like that before. But as far as the the, uh, the goo ectoplasm, uh, that's the first that I'm I'm right. aware of. Maybe Ben, you know, in his rich history knows of it. So perhaps I'll have to ask him when he comes back. So, uh, so Clara sticks her fingers in the pink slime from Ghostbusters <laughs> 2, and uh, um, the doctor's just telling her, you know, concentrate, think about that. Um, and then Clara's phone goes off, and the first thing she thinks of is her awkward date with Danny and how she wants to fix things and make it go better. And just for that split second, um, they don't know it yet, but that alters their destination. And uh, they end up in the right time period but not at the right place where they end up is actually where Danny pink grows up. And we learn that his first name isn't Danny. It's a uh, God. What was it? Oliver Rupert, Rupert. Rupert. <laughs> um, which is a far worse name. Rupert pink um, is a far worse name indeed. Um, and uh, we find out where he grew up, which looked like uh, like a boy's home, like a um, orphanage. Yeah, an orphanage. And um, this is where they, they find him as a, as a young boy. And, uh, they're, uh, you know, she's questioning him about, um, about the stuff that they're trying to figure out. And, um, in the, I, I guess in the midst of things here, we, uh, they're, they're searching under the bed and then all of a sudden there's, there's a weight on the bed. And when they get up, there's a, a shape under his blanket. Oh my God. Yeah. It sort of just creeps up is very silent. Clara is Absolutely convinced that this is a child under the blanket just playing a trick. Uh, then the lights flip on. The doctor is there. Um, he talks to Rupert slash Danny, and uh, he knows he's afraid, but he gives him this great speech about what fear is. Right? It's it's like yeah. it's, it's a superpower. It, it makes you it makes you think quicker and run faster, and it makes and you stronger. Think, yeah. Right. Um, it's a great speech, and. Um, he he then has everybody go towards the window and not look at the thing on the bed, assuming that it will go away. Um, and, uh, of course, after a really long, tense beat, it does go away. 
Yeah, but that fucker hovered right on them for a oh, man. Yeah, but that scene like itself, like even as Peter, but he, he's delivering just this fantastic monologue. I mean, the, the what this guy is doing with his uh, turn as a doctor. I mean, it, so far it is nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, he has just every note he 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 needs to hit or wants to hit, he achieves. I mean, whether he's got to be somber or serious, I mean, or right. inspiring, funny. I mean, the, the, this dude's bringing it. So I mean, holy shit! Whoever takes over for him. Whenever it happens, tell me just down the road needs to be fucking just a fantastic actor because he's he's knocking the park out of this thing. But I mean, just that scene where you know that, that creature's still watching as he's talking to this kid, and then like you said, yeah, it just creeps up on him and hangs there. It's like, oh my god! Like you, if someone could could have cut a, like a loud fart in my house, I probably would have shit my pants because I would have just right. it would have scared the absolute crap out of me. The um, so so after this whole ordeal is done. They want to put Rupert back to bed, but he's afraid, obviously. And uh, Clara finds all these toy soldiers, and she puts them around his bed and uh, tells them that this is going to protect him. And uh, she gives him a broken one, which he is immediately... uh, He's like, this thing's not going to protect me. Paraphrasing (laughs) here, of course. Uh, But she tells him, no, 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 this is the Lear. He doesn't need... You know, he's so strong, he doesn't need... uh, A weapon. A weapon. And... um, you know, this becomes Clara's theme for this episode is she's unknowingly kind of writing the history of the man she's about to date. Um, well, and, and not only that, too, she's shaping him to be like the doctor. Like when she said, you, you can be brave, like, you know, like he's a man without a weapon. Like she's kind of looking over at, you know, the doctor's way like this whole time. So it's like she's trying to make Danny more like the doctor. Yeah, it's going right. to be a really interesting kind of I didn't even think about that dynamic coming on. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a great that's a great angle to take. Um yeah, uh, and he and he calls this and he calls that particular soldier Danny the Soldier Boy. Yeah, and um, the doctor, when the doctor puts him asleep, uh, even gives him a dream about being Danny the Soldier Boy. So they've uh, the doctor, not even knowing that Clara is dating this person, they have completely shaped this man's life going forward, which is really not a small thing. They kind of gloss over it a little bit, right. but it is not a small thing. So Clara goes back uh, to the date. And they are fixing things, and this is when the spaceman shows up. Right. Uh, we yep. get to see the we get to see the David Tennant spacesuit once again. <laughs> uh, which I look, I'll be happy to see that thing constantly. Anything that gives me uh, gives me reminders of of David Tennant's run, uh, I'm happy to see it, even if it's just uh, the orange. I mean, it, I I don't think it's meant to be the suit he wore, but I think it is like the suit. Like they just keep reusing that prop or something over and over. Right. <laughs> Uh, which is totally fine. Uh, I'll take it. Um, once again, the date kind of goes awkwardly again. It's it's not. They're not hitting it off particularly well. They're uh, they're making kind of mistakes left and right. And this and th- at this point, uh, this time around, Clara accidentally slips up and calls him Rupert. I believe. Yep. Um, and he's like, "How do you even know? That's you know, that's my name." Yeah. So things go weird from there. Uh, Clara goes back into the TARDIS. She believes it's the doctor in the suit, and when uh, the the gentleman takes off his helmet, it's uh, Danny Pink. Except it's not Danny Pink; it's uh, yet another poorly named Pink member of the Pink family, Orson Pink from the future. Oh, Jesus! Um, and she is completely caught off guard by this. Uh, but basically, the doctor explains: Look, I used uh, some some psychic link leftover stuff from the Ghostbusters ooze and. Uh, I followed it and it took me to this guy and uh, he found him literally at the very super end of the universe. He was Earth's first time traveler, I believe, uh, uh, and found him. He was he got stuck at the end of the universe and he thinks that this man may have the key to his theory about the uh, the perfect hiders. And um, they uh, Clara, of course, has uh, carries on this conversation with him as well, and it turns out Orson has the Danny the Soldier Boy, uh, uh, you know, uh, toy, and uh, I think it's pretty clear and obvious that he recognizes her almost right away. Uh, basically, because of that line, right, where um, he he calls that the the toy a, a family heirloom, right, and then tries yeah. to give it to Clara. 
he, and, he obviously recognizes her, you know what I mean? Like as someone. So, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, she's like, you said it's a fairly family heirloom when he tries to give it to her and he goes, yeah. Uh, right. You're like, yeah, you're in the fam. Like, come on, put two and two together here, lady. Yeah. Great grandma, um, or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they go to where, uh, Orson pink is stationed at the, at the very end of the universe. And this is where the doctor is going to, to try to test his hypothesis. Um, because he's like, there, there's nothing left or is there there's he's Orson pink is the only human that can be seen. But, uh, you know, if his theory is correct, there could be a whole lot of unseen things out there and he wants to open this airlock. Uh, but he forces everybody back into the TARDIS. He's going to do it himself. Um, and, and really, they really play these scenes up really creepy as well. With a lot of creepy sounds and, uh, yeah. uh, it was very, very tense and stuff, uh, as well. Of course, uh, things don't necessarily go to plan. Uh, the doctor is, uh, what did he get injured or was it just like oxygen deprivation or I don't know what it was that he was. I think it just might've been like just all the, from the air escaping out of the, yeah, out, out of the pod they were in and all that. Being exposed to the vacuum. Um, but they're hearing sounds and they're even inside the TARDIS. The TARDIS is making like the danger sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're just like, you know, we should get out of here. And uh, Clara once again dives into the Ghostbusters goo and off they go. Um, and uh, they don't know where they've landed, although it becomes really clear really quick that, you know, she was obviously thinking about the doctor when they when they took off and she was concerned about his health and his safety. And uh, when they arrive, they're in a barn where there is a crying child and Clara climbs up there. And uh, I think wants to say something, but she hears some other people come into the room. So she hides under the bed. Right. I, I think she assumed it might have been Danny again. Perhaps. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. At first, she thought it was. She thought. Yeah. Because um, so far, the trail has led them, led them there twice. So she thought it was Rupert or, or Orson or, or somebody. Right. And um, it, it wasn't. When she's hearing these people talk, um, he, she quickly realizes that where she is at, is um, either really close to or where the doctor spent his childhood at uh, yeah. long before he ever became the doctor who stole the TARDIS in the first place and went on his crazy adventure as a child. Um, right. Um, and they, 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 they talked about it. He, you, you know, he can't be a, he'll never be a soldier. He'll never make time Lord. And uh, she then kind of puts two and two together and realizes where she is real quick. Uh, but before she can take any action, child, a doctor gets out of bed and Clara kind of instinctively grabs his leg. And she realizes that she is the cause of pretty much all of this. It's a, it's a big time loop that just mm-hmm. got closed right there. Uh, and she, when she sort of realizes, and she's telling the doctor that it's a dream and to just to lay back down and, um, be brave. I mean, yeah. yeah it, it, she, she gives the doctor the speech that he gives young Danny Pink about fear. Essentially, yeah. Um, and, and tells him in uh, a, a scene that really caught us off guard that I thought was great. Um, where, she, you know, she's like, eventually, the, you know, you're going to be really scared one day and you're going to come back here. And they cut to the war doctor coming back to that barn. That same barn, John Hurt, yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. I thought that was oh, just, yeah. just fantastic. And I'm like, wow, way to tie that together. I mean, I just that was incredible. And uh, she gives him the speech and uh, talks about how fear is, is a you know a companion, and uh, you know it gives us strength and all of this other stuff. There's nothing wrong with having fear. Um, and she orders the doctor when she gets back into the TARDIS to uh, to never look at where they've just been. And to just leave. And uh, he does eventually. Uh, although I have a feeling that that might maybe come back at some point and have something to do with events later on. I'm not sure. But I just have a feeling. That seems like such a big thing to maybe not play a part later on. Well, I, uh, I, I think the way that she tied it, like they tied it up with John Hurt going back there, I, I think that's a way of, of maybe kind of closing it. It's like, you know, the doctor has, you know, kind of addressed it again. Right. Um, so... Yeah, after after all of that greatness occurred, um, they they take they take Orson back home. Uh, Clara comes back home and finds uh, 
uh, finds Danny. They, uh, I guess they, I'm making up, I guess, is supposedly the, the, the most child-friendly way of saying uh, that they've solved their problems. Um, I, I'm sure it was definitely more than that. And they certainly hinted that her future contained more than that. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, on the TARDIS, she was fingering the paint, but I think, you know. <laughs> sure. I think we know where that one's headed. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of really bad jokes. We could probably uh, go off from there as well. Oh, yeah. I'm bubbling if you want to roll on some. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the the two things. So that's uh, that's where the episode leaves off. And um, there, there are two things, though, uh, that I want to that I want to mention before we get. Or, no, I I don't want to. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do it right right now. I want to. I want to get your thoughts on the episode first before I before I talk about these two things. So, what what did you think of the episode overall? Strong, very very strong episode. I mean, just what what they're doing. I mean, Moffat's last run, like he's really going out in style, man. This has uh, just been an amazing season so far. No complaints uh, about this episode. Wow, just so good. Captivating, in fact, in a couple of parts. Um, I mean, I don't want to speak for Ben, but I know there is one major complaint Ben had about this episode um, that he considered to, because uh, he thought this episode not only contained the the best of Moffat, but also the worst of Moffat as well. <laughs> um, and I know, and I know exactly what he's getting at, and it all boils down to that um, that that creepy scene with the lump under the blanket in the bedroom. Uh-huh. Um. Because I know exactly, because uh, obviously that's never explained. Uh, you could probably easily explain it away by saying it was probably just a kid under the blanket. Um, but they had to, you know, they couldn't give that away at that point in the episode. They had to keep you thinking that, you know, the doctor's theory was right. Right. Uh, and that there there was something. Uh, so much so that there's a point where the you know whatever it is under the blanket removes the blanket and it's very blurred in the mirror or the window or whatever it is. Yeah, that was the creepiest part about it. Is like you had to insert like something terrible right. like, even, from your own imagination but, in there. But it, I mean, because I've I've like I've like freeze framed that that shot, and even though it's like very blurry, I'm still having a really hard time figuring out. Uh, you know, making the leap that that's actually a person, even like unblurred, because it, it totally seems like they just found some creepy mask, like alien mask, and then maybe blurred it like really heavily or something. But it didn't. It didn't even look like a blurred person oh, wow. um, to me, which is you know, and because you know, because they figured people might freeze frame it or something, or you know, right. they'd be paying really close attention. Um, and then of course, when it disappears, there's kind of like a little flash of light even when it, when it vanishes, yeah. it vanishes very quickly. Um, and that, that has to be there to make the mystery work. Um, but at the same time, it is so weird that without explaining that it was a kid, you kind of, you know, you're kind of like, well, the doctor was wrong, but that scene sort of makes it seem like he was right. Maybe. Um, it, it was very confusing leaving that like totally unresolved because it was, it was just off enough to, you know, right. for me to be like, it, I know they're probably trying to tell you that it was probably just a kid, but it didn't feel like that at all. Um, like that is not the sense I got from that whatsoever. And if it's a if it's a kid, they need to find that creepy little fucking oh, throw is, him in prison. It is the that's three, oh, yeah, yeah, that's serial killer material right there. Absolutely. It was like he never said anything. It never made a sound. It even creeped up to them while their backs were turned. Like, it's the creepiest fucking kid of all time, if that is the case. Um, The only other thing that occurred that I haven't really seen people mentioning um, is at the the very last thing we see when the episode goes off, because they're kind of doing this intercut between uh, Clara going back to Danny Pink's and uh, Clara talking with young doctor in his bed. And I am almost certain that the last shot of this was her leaving the uh, the Danny the Soldier Boy toy with the doctor, um, which Orson Pink had given to her on the TARDIS. Um, like, I think she sets it down, like, beside his bed or on his bedpost or something, and, like, that's the last shot. And I do believe that is where she left it, which is 
really strange to me. Like, you know, so does that mean the doctor gave, like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That's the problem you run into when you have, like, these time-looped episodes where, uh, like, you had that problem earlier where you weren't sure when the Spaceman guys showed up. And, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that all, I don't know how that all ties in. Um, the, the first time I saw it, I'm like, wait, does that mean that Claire is the doctor's daughter then or something? Like, I was really confused. Like if it's a family heirloom and the doctor had it when he was a kid and he's had it with him this whole time. Did he slip it into Danny Pink's room? Like, I have no idea. Like, well, I, I, I guess I, I don't remember her her leaving it on his bed. Yeah, I mean, it's like right at the end of the episode, and I'm. Is it well because like the end of the oh, so the end of the episode, like they just do a flashback of her leaving it with him? Well, like because it's it's like she's she's talking to him about because um, there's that scene where her like the, where she quotes the, where she quotes the first doctor and like fear makes companions of us all. Right, like there's a scene where she she kisses Danny Pink and then it cuts back to her stroking the hair of the doctor in the bed. And then there's like this really close-up shot of her eye with like the star twinkle in it. And then there's this her setting down the uh, the statue and like that's the last shot before it fades to black. Right. Um, which leads me to believe that that's where she left it was at the doctor's bedside. Which, you know, also explains a lot about uh, the doctor, of course, the unarmed soldier, the one who would rather, you know, not fight with weapons, but with uh, intelligence and leadership and all that other stuff. I mean, that obviously explains a lot about uh, the doctor as well. And that was kind of like we said, Clara's thing. She sort of formed Danny Pink's uh, entire life. And in that scene, she kind of also helped inform who the doctor the was. The doctor's life, too. Yeah, right. Um, so she's quickly becoming a very, very important character, at least in the 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 legacy of the the doctor's character even yeah so. no shit um, yeah I mean so the, the, yeah the, the that's a good point the adult the adult doctor or, or you know twelve had to recognize it and I mean and maybe like since he had like you know it was a family heirloom uh, daddy had it you know that it ran all the way up through Orson and then Claire took it from Orson and then she gave it to the doctor and then right. you know now he just has it like it's ah man and and pardon it, it, and it's, pardon it's hard to wrap your head around the exact like right man it's so tiny. And pardon me for for jumping right in and uh, just feeling the need to bring up, uh, of course, the uh, the David Tennant episode where they introduce the Doctor's daughter, and uh, she is then never seen nor heard from again. So, right, um, you have to you have to you know I mean you have to go pretty deep into conspiracy theory land to to put all those pieces together. Um, but it is a character they have not gone back to, uh, which is weird because I would think that it would be. Not only an easy character to bring back because you could just, um, I mean, even though we didn't see her regenerate, she clearly used some regeneration energy to heal herself. Yep. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that she could fully regenerate it. So it's not out of the realm of possibility to just bring her back as a completely different character uh, as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, and if you really want to go full conspiracy theory, I mean, that would be a. I'm not ruling it out that somehow Clara is that person. I don't think it is, but you could totally, uh, like a margin of error, make the argument, uh, you know, that she's, you know, she's also the impossible girl and she can go into the, the doctor's time stream and came out un, unharmed. And well, maybe that's how she can is, you know, same DNA. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think we're really super stretching it thin here, but cause I, I think so, man, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. It, <laughs> it, it does. But at the same time, I don't know why for some reason it just feels like maybe in my head, Moffat's like, well, that's a Russell T Davis character. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's his show. And this is my show. And we're not, you know, we're not going back to that. Uh, well, I mean, it, it could lend some credence too, like, you know, for the rumors that, you know, uh, that she's done, uh, after this season, like the Christmas episode is going to be her last one. So maybe she right. regenerates, you know what I mean? Or something. Right. And um, a different, uh, you know, different and, person. and of course we have that thing as well, where the, you know, the, uh, tenant had a, a two part episode where he had a process from which he could make himself forget. He was the doctor. Of course, when we're reintroduced to the master, he doesn't even know he's the master until, you know, until he realizes it. Right. Um, like take until he opens his watch. Right. So I mean, the same thing could be happening here, but you know, like I said, I don't know. I it, it does seem to make a lot of sense in my head, 
But at the same time, I feel like I'm probably also stretching it thin. Like, I don't think that's the direction they're going. But I'd be happy if they did do something like that because I just hate unresolved issues. <laughs> um, and it's like, just just wrap it up somehow. Say she she died in a in a plane crash or something. Just something. Just give me <laughs> give me some sort of closure because Moffat. That that's one thing Moffat has done in his run. He's closed a lot of loops. I mean, he closed you know maybe the biggest loop. In, in all of in all of Hootam, I guess, which is the you know what happened between um, you know what happened between the the Doctor Who movie and the uh, the reboot, uh, you know that's the lingering thing, and he closed it up quite nicely, actually. Right. Um, you know, so he 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 certainly does do that for sure. Um, all right. So, um, any other thoughts on this particular episode, or you want to hop right into the grade? Oh, we can go right into it. Okay, so uh, what, are, what are you thinking for this one? Four, four and a half, if not four and three quarters, man. Uh, it was very solid. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, I mean, yes, there was the weird, the weirdness with the, like, the I don't think on the that, bed or whatever. Right, I don't, th- and I don't think they ever adequately explained who wrote "Listen" on the chalkboard at the beginning either. Um, like, I don't think that ever got explained either. Right. Um, that being said, the the stuff that happened the closed loop thing was so well done and the performances were, were so great. And Peter Capaldi is just so goddamn great. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a four as well. Uh, I, I think so far, maybe my favorite episode, but I don't know. We've got another one to talk about. Uh, let's dive into uh, series eight, episode five called time heist. This is the bank of Carol Black sauce. Picture the thing you want most in the universe. And decide how badly you want it. We're actually going to do it. Rob the bank. If we don't, we die. We must locate them. What is that? I don't know. Hey, not knowing. Are you hungry, boy? The bank is now open. Completely different tone. <laughs> yeah, this episode. Um, yeah, this is this one was very different. Uh, so yeah, let's hop into it. Uh, we start out with uh, the Doctor hanging out at Clara's, um, kind of just you know trying making to make fun of her again, <laughs> making fun <laughs> of her, of course, being a dick, right? And uh, you know, trying to figure out where to go. He suggests a lot of places, including Brighton. Which he apparently has a lot of plans for. I hear Brighton is a nice. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to talk with Ben about this. But I hear Brighton is a nice, a nice place. Uh, but I'm not. But I'm uncertain. Um, you know, Claire's getting ready for uh, uh, another meetup with with Danny and the doctors. Completely he has no idea why he's. Why is there color on your face? Why are you wearing heels? Uh, you know, why do you need to make yourself taller? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, they're, uh, she's getting ready to do this when the, the phone on the TARDIS rings and, uh, she urges the doctor against taking this call because usually only bad things happen when that phone gets picked up. Right. Um, he, he assures her that this is not the case and no sooner than the doctor picks up the phone, than uh, he is holding a memory worm in his hand. In fact, there, uh, he is, Clara is, and two other complete strangers are also holding them as uh, they're sitting around uh, a table with a briefcase uh, in the middle of it. And uh, right. we quickly learn all of this. There's a recording that plays that states all of their names like they've recorded it and they're saying they've agreed to this uh, this memory wipe. And aside from Clara and the Doctor, we also have Sai, who is like a, a cybernetically enhanced human. And uh, the girl whose name I am forgetting right now off the top of my head, I want to say it's like like Cybra or or Cebra or something like that. Um, uh, Cybra, I, I Cy- want to say. Right, and she's a, a mutant human. Yeah. And really um, as soon as soon as this happens, the the case opens. They get some sort of creepy, uh, you know, uh, voice modulated hackery sounding. Uh, video about this guy stating uh, where they are at, which is the uh, the bank of Calabraxos, which is a uh, I, I guess like a bank for the super rich, yeah, uh, like the super super rich. 
And um, it goes on to explain in great detail how dangerous this place is and how secure it is and, uh, and just how much uh, wealth there is as well. The um, uh, Oh, I guess I should mention the, the more important part, which is that uh, it says, uh, you've agreed to help break into this thing. And uh, also I should note, that you're already on the planet and you're you're there illegally and <clears throat> a lot of people know about it and they're on their way to kill you right now so you should probably get going. Yeah, by the way, you're already there, so uh, thanks. But, but, you know, and the voice also assures them there's, you know, uh, their payment or their rewards yes. uh, is, is found inside as further encouragement. Uh, one thing I liked also is that they did tie up the fact that uh, they referred again to the woman in the shop who gave Clara the TARDIS number in the first place. Oh, right. For right, the impossible right. girl ad, like that whole thing. So it's like, they, oh, that time there's just so was, much coming forward. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have not, there's not been any mention of Missy since, uh, or even a hint at, uh, at the promised land since robot of Sherwood. Well, they, they, they brought it screwing right back to the forefront with that little, uh, with that little nugget. So yes, just, <laughs> I uh, like just little tiny little nods, uh, yeah. uh, which is good. That's all they need. Absolutely. For. Um, cause it's clearly going to be, uh, a season long arc. So, uh, but yeah, we quickly learn why we have Psy and Cybra, uh, because, uh, Psy basically has a computer in his head and, uh, he didn't even need the memory worm. He can kind of just wipe his memory at will. And, uh, also pretty good into getting into computer systems and things like that. And, uh, Cybra's skill is that, uh, she can emulate anything she touches, uh, she demonstrates this by grabbing Clara's hand and immediately turning into Clara. Um, so we kind of know why they're here. They're kind of perfect for breaking into banks. Oh, I guess I should also mention that Sai mentions that one of his talents is uh, bank robbing. So I, I, that's probably why he's he's hanging around as well. Um, so uh, they uh, they start on uh, on their mission. They get into the bank with some help uh, from yet another accomplice. And um, <laughs> kind of getting the uh, the lay of the land when we sort of meet our our antagonist, right? Yeah. Um, one of the uh, one of the coolest creature designs I think I've ever seen on Doctor Who. Like it just looked oh so well done, phenomenal. I'm I'm wondering how much because I know the show's on a budget, so I'm wondering how much of that because it looked to me it looked like rubber, like you know a suit. Like that it, was that that was practical effects. Yeah, that, I mean that's incredible. Like the detail yeah. they got on that, and it was such a cool looking design. So the, there's this alien uh, who is who is basically Hannibal Lecter. Essentially, he's he's bound <laughs> on all sides, and guards are following him everywhere. Um, he is really not the antagonist, uh, but he is treated as such. The real antagonist, of course, is the uh, is uh, the bank owner. Right. Uh, and not that what they called the thing, uh, the teller, the teller, right. Who's, who's, uh, basically this alien's gift is that he can sense guilt, uh, any guilt whatsoever. And, uh, basically when they find somebody who they think is up to no good in this bank, they sick the teller on him. If he's up to no good, the teller finds out. And then the teller kind of telepathically feeds on his brain, leaving like a partially caved in skull and everything. It was horrific. Um, Yet also, uh, yet also awesome at the same time. Uh, so yeah, this is a, clearly something these guys are going to want to avoid. Um, and uh, let me see here, what else do we got? I, I want to try not to to go uh, too in depth here because there's basically a lot of uh, bank heist stuff. Um, a lot of it is basically trying to figure out uh, how to get down to the level where the vault is. Uh, and things like that. There, there's not a lot of really thick detail. It's the episode plays more like a really, uh, I want to say, you know, kind of like an Ocean's Eleven type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's very action oriented, and there's a lot of great witty dialogue and stuff. But there's not a lot of like, you know, there's yeah. I, I guess I could sit here and talk for about five minutes about how they, you know, they blow a hole open in the floor and they. <laughs> You know, they talk about how they're going to get into the vault and things like that. But, you know, when we're talking a bank high story. These are the things you expect. Right. Uh, we'll and and they, they keep getting help from the from the, the mysterious other uh, other person. And then they come down to the point where they break into another room and it's where the teller is being held like they're the, the teller is uh, cage 
right like their, its little habitat right. so they're, they're trying to be all quiet and sneak it through and then like it picks up on Clara's brain waves yes uh, but the doctor manages to save her but then cyber gets caught uh, and uh, a couple minutes beforehand they were given uh, these detonators that are essentially like suicide buttons where if they got in trouble you know they just had to essentially you know yep. kill themselves uh, because there was no getting out. So uh, Cyber begs the doctor for one, he throws it to her, and she matches the button, and, you know, mm-hmm. ball of light, and she had, she's she gone, and, you know, the other three move on. That was, uh, that scene was kind of intense, like yeah. that little exchange there. It had a feel, like, it kind of felt like the first Alien movie, you know what I mean, where they were being, like, it just had that bit of, like, a dark intensity to it. Absolutely. They're, and they're also doing a little bit of character development for Cy and Cyber as well. Yeah. Uh, before that scene, like, we learned that... Uh, that um, you know, in order to in order to uh, to protect his family about uh, being interrogated, Sai wiped his memory of everyone he ever knew or cared about. Um, you know, so we learned that little piece about him. Uh, we learned about how Cybra has the you know rogue syndrome from X Men. She can't touch anybody without you know. Uh, well, I mean, Rogue couldn't touch anybody without killing them, but um, or at least harming them significantly. But Cyber can't touch anybody without turning into them. Right. And, uh, so it's essentially nobody wants to bang themselves. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are the uh, and obviously that'll play into the story a little bit later on. And of course, uh, yeah, Cyber gets busted by the teller and she offs herself. Uh, and uh, moving forward, it's just Cy, Clara and the doctor. And um, I think uh, they uh, they find how to break into the vault. Uh, and Clara and the doctor decide to split up because the teller is on their trail and, uh, they figured their, their best odds are if they split up. Um, of course that ultimately doesn't work out particularly, that's not going to work out well for at least one of them because the teller is going to end up on at least one of their trails that happens to be Clara. And, uh, the doctor shows up just in enough time, I believe to, um, or no, it's not the doctor. It's a size. it. Um, the doc, this happens with the doctor a little bit later. Um, Cy is almost done cracking open the vault and decides, uh, screw it. He goes to help, uh, Clara. Um, he downloads like, uh, information about every like violent criminal Calibrax has had in its database. There's a bunch of images. Apparently there's a, a couple of, uh, there's at least one or two people that are from, um, outside of the TV canon that are like maybe from the audio series or from uh, novelizations or comic books that they sort of made canon by including them in here um, yeah. as well. And I think the gunslinger was in there and there was a, yep. there was a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain John Hart. Yeah. Slavine. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a ice warrior, presumably not farting at, at that point in time. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, he takes all that information and uh, hops right over to save Clara's butt and sacrifices himself and, of course, uh, pops himself with one of those uh, disintegrating injector thingies as well. Um, the Doctor and uh, Clara get into the vault um, at that point. Well, do they get into the... Yeah, they get into the vault at that point, right? Yeah. And um, once they... Uh, actually, you know what? We're missing a plot point here, which is weird. This is like the most recent episode. Well, this is the one I'm having well, the hardest time the, remembering. The vault ended up turning out to be that chick's uh, office or whatever. Right. Well, what he clearly realizes is because there's a, um, like mm-hmm. a like a sunburst or uh, I don't know if the sun's going nova or, or something, uh, and it's going to destroy everything, including the bank. And uh, that's when the doctor realizes he's like, "How could this have all been timed so perfectly?" Because he's thinking about it. It's like they're given all the tools they needed to essentially avoid the teller from the get-go, uh, like the memory worm erasing like anything that they could possibly remember about what they're supposed to be doing and who they are and things like that so it wouldn't be able to sense their guilt as much. Um, and uh, they've got you know a, a person who does bank heists and people who can change their appearance. And it's also happening on the same day that the bank would also be at its most vulnerable. And he realizes that that's why this episode is titled Time Heist. Because right. that's what it is. It's not just a bank robbery. They were sent at that specific time to do it at that specific moment. Uh, so, yeah, then they get into the bank, and it's the the lady they've been dealing with uh, this whole time. Um, it turns out her whole bank, that's that's how she, uh, uh, Madame Calabraxis, that's how she deals with all this, man. Clones of herself. Who can you trust better than a, a clone of yourself, I, I guess? 
and um, uh, they also find uh, they also find the rewards as well for. Um, are we are we missing another point? To, oh no no we're not because this doesn't happen until later. Um, they find the rewards for Sai and Cybra, um, although they are no longer with us uh, for the time being. Of course, um, the the big twist is uh, once uh, Clara and the Doctor are all captured, um, it's it's revealed that the the Teller's guards are Sai and Cybra. It was not uh, a suicide device that just teleported them. Aaron, so there's finally an episode where where people involved in the main story are not dying, which is which is nice. Which is nice for a change. We need a little bit of that, right? Uh, so that that's a plus. They're still alive. Uh, it turns out Sai's reward is something that will restore his memory for his family and friends, and uh, Cyber's reward will cure her of her her mutancy. Um, the um, <clears throat> I, I want to say this is this feels like maybe another time looped episode, I guess, in a way, right? Because um, we just had one with Listen, but this one kind of is as well, based off of of what we learn at the uh, the end of this episode. Uh, right. Uh, basically, he uh, uh, gives the speech to once he figures he kind of figures everything out. The Doctor does as he usually does, um, and. Uh, he tells Madame Calabraxis that she is going to, at some point, uh, going to need to know the information that he is uh, a time traveler, and this is how he can get a hold of him because he has this hunch that maybe someday she is going yeah, to really. He gives regret. her his phone. He gives her the TARDIS number. Right. So when they receive the phone call at the beginning of the episode, that's Madame Calabraxis yep. uh, calling from the future to give them the information about how to break into the bank uh, right at that exact moment. Uh, because what they ultimately find out is that um, she feels really, really bad for how she's treated the teller, uh, and uh, in, in her old age, anyway. Not at the not at the moment of the episode, but later on when she calls the doctor, um, she feels really terrible, and uh, she is keeping, I, I guess, uh, the wife or mate or whatever you want to call it. Of the right. teller locked away. She's got two of them, and she's holding one for leverage against the yep. other, and yep. she feels like shit about this. And mm-hmm. that is kind of the, uh, the, I guess, the reward, I guess, for the doctor at the end is being able to f- to do what he does. Well, the, I thought the cool part about this was is that, you know, the, the doctor submitted to the teller hoping that when the teller was sucking his, you know, his guilt out, he would remove the doctor's memory block. And then when that happened, the doctor remembered he was there to help. And then the teller realized that. And then he stopped. It was like, wow, it's like, that was, that was a pretty cool little sequence of events. And then you obviously, you know, it opens up to their mate and they're reunited and man. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they they take them to this, uh, this uh, beautiful Vista like uh, planet where the two tellers can kind of go off in peace where there are no other, no other people or thoughts or voices. It kind of went Avatar with it. They both stripped down and just went walking, walking oh. into the jungle. Oh yeah, yeah. They just skinny dipped right into the jungle for sure. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, afterwards, everybody's hanging out, having a blast on the TARDIS. You know how it goes. Uh, I think eating Chinese food. I think they're eating Chinese food. Yeah. Yeah, they're just having a blast. Um, and uh, you know, everybody's happy at the end of the day, right? The uh, Clara gets home in enough time to head off for her date, even though the doctor still has not quite figured out why she is interested in going on a date when she could be traveling with him through all of time and space. Uh, but yeah, happy another another happy episode of Doctor Who. I, I guess I shouldn't say that. There's been like two happy episodes. So well, and then and, well, yeah, but but then the last line of the episode when the doctor you know talks about how impressive robbing a bank is for a date. You know what I mean? It's like right, right, right. Here, it's like all right, it's okay, do it. So he knew exactly what you know what the fuck he was doing, but just you know oh, yeah, exactly yeah. being the architect of the entire episode. You know what not, I mean? Not quite as aloof as right. he leads on a little bit. Yeah, he's basically like my sonic screwdriver is better than whatever he's got. He's bringing some good game, the, the doctor right now. Oh he's sure, sure. sure. Um, so yeah, that's where that's where we uh, leave us. No, no, uh, nothing hanging here or anything like that. Um, uh, again, a tiny little reference to the over arc story, uh, which they took a break from in Listen, 
they uh, they didn't. I don't think they mentioned it once in that episode, uh, or even made a hint to it. But that's okay for the time being. They just need to make those little uh, the little reminders. That's all. Uh, right. Anything anything else stick out to you in this episode? No, I think we, I think we covered it pretty well. That uh, you know, it was it was a fun it was a fun uh, a fun break from. Uh, for the last episode, so it was very, uh, very nice. It looks like this next up, uh, episode from the trailer is going to be another fun one. So I'm pretty sure uh, after the, after this mid season episode, it's going to get pretty heavy. So oh yeah, the sh- I think the shit's going to hit the fan. Uh, yeah, but the sh- but the new one, the, the caretaker uh, episode, is going to be pretty good. Can't wait for that one. No, absolutely. Um, the uh, yeah, the only, I guess the only thing I really want to call attention to again uh, is just to really point it out for for emphasis the. I, I hope they continue to do more because uh, I saw some of the, the design for that robot thingy they've got in the next episode, uh, which looked okay, but I, I'm just still taken aback by that. God damn. I hope we get to see more of those Teller aliens. Cause oh, yeah, such, they were really cool. It's such a cool design and was so goddamn well made. Um, yeah, I, they've, they've got to. I hope they do some more with that down the road. Um, like that for me, like that's the uh, that could be like the Ood. For uh, for Peter Capaldi, like Capaldi's Ood. yeah, because that that kind of became like a, an alien species that looked really cool and was different, and uh, ended up playing kind of like a big role during the you know the tenant years and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would be totally fine. I'm just you know, kudos to the team that put that together. That really stuck out to me the most. But that episode, yeah, that was tons of fun, oh. and it kind of felt even more like a a callback even to not even the Matt Smith, but more like the, the David, you know, that definitely felt kind of like a David Tennant adventure as well. Um, that was just a lot of fun. And yeah, uh, yeah the, the more of that, the, the better as well. Not that I'm not digging the dark stuff, but we've got to, we've got to remember to try to keep it somewhat light. And there are only so many episodes in a season. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they're going to, we're doing, we're going light two episodes in a row. Uh, so that that could mean bad things going forward after that. Um, a grade for this one? Uh, I put about a, about a four, four and a quarter. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm right about there with you as well. I'm gonna drop a four on that as well. So, uh, yeah. The, so far, this the series is doing uh, really good. Would you say meeting meeting your high standard or surpassing, or where, where do you think it's at so far? Uh, I'd say surpassing. I I didn't know. Uh, exactly uh, how long it would take me to adjust uh, to Capaldi, but I mean, man, he he had me from the getty up, and he hasn't let go. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely a lot better than what I, I I thought it would be great. I just didn't know if it would be this great. So right, very surprised. Uh, okay, man. So that's where we're gonna wrap it up here uh, for Aaron De Losa. I'm Anthony Lewis, and we're gonna be back next week talking episode. I want to say six, right? Mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi is gonna gonna hang out with Clara at school. It seems for an episode <laughs> uh, entitled "Caretaker." Yeah.